Sports Analytics Podcast. It's Tuesday, March 30th. I'm here with Stuart Gibson for a four-game slate. Yeah, four-game short slate. Uh, looking like a lot of significant questionable uh, injuries. So uh, we'll talk about it kind of now. We can do some kind of if-then uh, consideration. The projections right now are going to assume that guys like Paul George, Beal, Ross, uh, Hunter, etc., are active, but we can definitely take some time to talk about maybe how how to consider a lineup should some of these guys be ruled out. But for the for the purposes of kind of reviewing projections and stuff, uh, going to assume those guys in, and we will have to pay attention to see uh, who plays and who doesn't uh, as we get close to lock. Very interesting slate last night. Obviously, we've had a lot of COVID dislocation. And we have injury dislocation because it's a tight schedule here for the second half. Um, Chipotle addict swept at, at DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, he played the Clippers peripheral pieces, um, which of course was quite interesting. Uh, obviously people leave, a common strategy is to play the solid plays early like Westbrook last night and then and then leave open the optionality for later slates. It didn't seem like a slate where that was going to be a good idea last night. Um, was there anything at all that could have led people to anticipate Paul George sitting? I mean, I didn't notice anything with spreads or anything in news. Did you, did you catch anything at all there? Yeah, nothing. Um, I've been, you know, playing kind of exclusively on super draft. So the, ability to conveniently late swap was you know pretty nice so i did a lot of swapping off of uh george you know who i rostered assuming being in onto uh Kawhi. um yeah certainly with the salaried format you you would kind of have to make an organized plan to leave uh flexibility and salary flexibility um in order to kind of make optimal uh, lineups out of late swaps. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't see anything. Um, I don't think there's too much indication that that was going to happen. Um, so I don't know, he, maybe he had a, an inside tip or, um, you know, there, by, by leaving a lot of roster space open, uh, you do leave yourself with kind of some flexibility to make it work. But, um, yeah, that was, that was a bit of a head scratcher. It'll be interesting to see. Kind of similar spot tonight where George is questionable. I'll be interested to see how people handle it. Uh, Westbrook went off last night for one of the all-time great DFS performances. Uh, he was he was very popular uh, tonight. A lot of the slate will hinge on Beal availability. Um, hard to have too much of a lean there. Um, what do you see in terms of Beal? like a small favorite to, to be in tonight? Um, yeah, I mean, just going off of uh, Rotowire's expected lineups, they're expecting him in as a, you know, true questionable. So, um, yeah, I guess I would say small, small favorite to play. So a good bit of blowout risk in the Clippers game. Orlando, uh, well, they've traded away their team. They're kind of a mess at the moment. Um, 
that that game will be uh, a major a major question mark on the night. Um, I think a lot will hinge on how that that game plays out. Do you have any any views on that ten o'clock game between Orlando and LA? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Orlando is a really interesting team to pay attention to. I don't think Terrence Ross has played since the trade deadline, and it's been you know really good. Uh, opportunities for mcw dwayne bacon we it's funny we were talking about okeke i think that first night and uh you know the underlying metrics kind of uh our projection was high on him but just looking at the underlying you know metrics specifically his usage i think i remember specifically talking myself kind of out of okeke after initially jumping to him just purely from projections and he ended up having a big night um I don't know. I mean, what Ross has missed, it's got to be like three or four games now in a row. I, to me, it seems like he'd be, I, I would say slight dog to, to play. Um, they have him probable at, at this moment in time. Really? Okay. Um, all right. Um, I'm, I'm seeing a true kind of game time decision. Well, We'll see. I mean, I just think given given the uh, and Kareem Maine, who's kind of a backup guard for them, is also questionable. Like, there's potential for there to just be yet again a ton of uh, opportunity for Orlando peripheral pieces. You factor in the Paul George injury. I do think it's it's going to be a good night to, um, and you know, you you also have the second ten o'clock game. I mean, I think you might want to create rules to have like, uh, I don't know, at least like three or four guys from that late, from that late game, uh, certainly on super draft where late swapping is pretty easy and you don't have to uh, trade much in projection to uh, have kind of a flexible lineup. Um, you know, I think having a lot of those 10 o'clock game pieces uh, could be, could be pretty valuable uh, given the, the way, injuries could shape out yeah for sure it would be super valuable on the night to get the pj washington hayward decision right and then um you can kind of know where you stand going into the late games and try to try to make the correct pivots currently we have pj washington and hayward in our optimal um they um, are, will continue to get a lot of usage with, with ball out for the season in a fairly fast-paced game. Um, in cash games, good case for playing both in tournaments. I think that's what most people will do. Um, if you could only play one in a cash game, which, which one would you go with? Uh, between Hayward and Washington? Yes. Uh, I think my preference would be for Hayward, uh, just simply – you know, he's got, um, you know, more, more projectable minutes. And, uh, you know, in general, I think that's a good kind of floor raiser uh, between, you know, two guys. Uh, so Hayward, yeah, would be my, uh, would be my preference. For cash games, a lot of people um, will lock in Kawhi because he's a good play with Paul George in, there's some chance Paul George sits, in which case he would be a complete lock. We might not know. So for cash games, I imagine everyone will lock in Kawhi. Um, Hayward, 
you suggest 1.45, he's kind of near lock. Um, and then the decision for a lot of people will be, um, do you, do you play another Charlotte guy in PJ Washington at forward, which would probably make for three Charlotte guys because Rogier is heavy in our optimals. Um, so do you, do you play PJ Washington and three Charlotte guys in your cash game team? Or, uh, do you skip PJ Washington and have someone like, uh, Tobias Harris, let's say, uh, do you have a lean there for cash games? Yeah, I guess my preference would be if, if I am, um, you know, not going with three Charlotte guys. I mean, I think part of it's going to be contingent on if Beal plays, like if Beal doesn't play Westbrook's a lock, you figure you've got at least two Charlotte guys. I, you know, I don't know. My, my, my preference would be if I'm getting out of Charlotte, that Charlotte Washington game to try to get more of the later games just for injury flexibility. Like I think between the George and Ross uh, game time decisions, there's potential for like a ton of value to open up there. And we might not get the call on those guys before the 9 p.m. lock. Um, so I don't know. My, my preference, if I'm kind of getting out of that Charlotte Washington game, which I think is like as things stand now, the most enticing game on the slate just from a game total and pace standpoint. My preference wouldn't really be to get out of that game to get more of Philly Denver, but it would be to gain more access to optionality in those two late games, I think would be my lane. Um, that makes sense. Um, so you favor playing two Charlotte guys. Um, yeah, and that fits like ASA strategy, right? Like the way we think about these things is on a salary cap site, you you value the flexibility, um, but the lockout is also valuable. Like if you, for instance, it's valuable to put in the points early and if there's a, a 3,300 salary guy who's kind of a lock play, um, it's there is value in like posting the points early and having the lockout, even though you're giving flexibility to your opponent in super draft um you always you always value the flexibility more um so you if it's close you want to err towards playing fewer guys in the early games and have the flexibility later for um injury news as it develops but more importantly just for strategy like knowing where your opponents are likely to be and, and getting um, going the opposite way. Yeah. The, the way I see it, there's like an inherent trade-off between, uh, you know, optimal play from a projection standpoint and late swap flexibility. M most nights. I mean, there, there are some nights where it works out where like, uh, you know, the highest projected players happen to be in the most flexible games, kind of the latest games, but for the most part by taking on, you know, more players from the later games, AKA giving yourself more flexibility, you're potentially sacrificing some amount of kind of projected fantasy points and 
you know, if you're, if you're leaving out, you know, well-projected players in the early game and like in a salaried format, fitting the pieces together for late swap. So in a way that, you know, puts you close to the max kind of salary limit, uh, you know, can, can be difficult. And sometimes in a way to achieve kind of maximum projected points, which usually correlates with kind of maximum salary used, uh, you know, you have to take suboptimal or kind of lower value, lower per dollar uh, players such that, you know, to gain that flexibility, you're trading kind of per dollar value in the super draft format where there is no salary. Like I would say that's less of a consideration. You know, you don't have to get close to kind of some max salary. Um, you don't have to stay below some max salary. You can really kind of just go with the, you know, most projectable uh, kind of highest, not per dollar because there's no dollar, but kind of highest post multiplier projections. Um, so I do think there's kind of less of a cost associated with being flexible for late games. Here though, there there is a decent case for <laughs> waiting the first game um, simply because with LAC, there is some solid blowout risk. You could only get three quarters from Kawhi and Paul George. And in the Atlanta Phoenix game, the multiples are not super appealing. So we have Booker as a near lock, but we're a bit higher than the industry on, on Booker. Um, in general, there's, there's not a lot jumping off the page for that game. Trey is only a 1.15 multiple going up against Chris Paul, not super appealing. Um, Aiton is 1.4. He's showing up in 9% of our optimals. Um, Chris Paul is not making our optimals at all. Um, So what's what's your thinking? Is, are, are you playing anyone? Well, in cash, I imagine you're not playing anyone other than Booker in Atlanta Phoenix and maybe not even Booker. Is that right? Yeah, that, that would probably be how, how I would approach it. Um, like and you who said, would you take in, in tournaments, eight and center only always some, some value there. Um, is there anyone else who, who you would take in this game in tournaments? Yeah. I mean, ugh, not really uh, like Booker, Paul caught, I mean, Collins at one, three, I, I, I typically like Capella as a center, but now, I mean, he's priced down. So his multiplier now is 1.15. Uh, it just feels yeah, like a, a, it's a tough multiplier for him. So um, yeah, I don't know. Probably. I, I think Booker's a fine tournament play. He's, he's never like super popular um, nor is Chris Paul. Um, John Collins has, some explosiveness, but with Capella in the lineup, it does figure to cut into his uh, ceiling a good bit. So, man, I wonder, like, you, you kind of, you would want to leave flexibility for that late, for that, mostly the, for the two late games, specifically Orlando, Los Angeles, figuring that one of George or Ross is going to get, is not going to play. You know, I do wonder if there there's any viability to an approach of just like, well, if both those guys play, 
there's kind of not that much value in the late games, right? Like if Ross and George play, it squeezes value out of potential value plays on, on really either side such that, uh, you know, the, really the best game then kind of becomes and remains that 7 p.m. Washington-Charlotte game. So, you know, I do wonder if there, there, there's kind of possibility for if everyone plays that's kind of questionable in that late game for, you know, people, lineups who are kind of holding out and holding a lot of room for, for those last two games potentially to get kind of squeezed out. Um, hmm, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like I, I don't mind the play of just having Booker and Kawhi and, and then having some heavy exposure to Philly, Denver, and, and Charlotte, Washington. Yeah. Um, well, the more we talk there, that, that sounds a, like a potentially enticing uh, play. And then uh, maybe also some Zubac in there. Zubac is a healthy multiple of 1.6. Uh, he's currently one of our favorite plays. He's in 70% of optimals now um at center we're pretty much fully weighted towards either Zubac 70% Dwight Howard 22% or Aiton 8% um the that seems about right to me um and Howard is the only one of those with dual position eligibility so I I do like having a heavy dosage of Zubac and Howard um yeah my any other guys you might punt on um yeah my fear with both those guys is like Zubach's minutes have been pretty volatile as of late like he's been as high as you know 32 close to 30 minutes most recently he only played 24 minutes uh against philly you know only 21 minutes so and then of course Howard's been kind of up and down. Um, you know, he did have that ejection game, but you know, even outside of that game, has had has had games lately of sub twenty minutes. Um, but you don't have too many options. I mean, could be a good night for Jokic. Like I typically don't like uh, the kind of super low multiplier uh, plays. And if and if Westbrook, if uh, Westbrook rather is a guy that we do want to prioritize you know the idea of playing two 1x guys in a tournament lineup usually is something i would never do um that being said given how small the slate is i do think the low multiplier guys you know have better paths to being the top scorer at their position on the slate so um yeah i mean jokic could be i think a center to entertain tonight um seeing as zubach and howard have been kind of volatile with their minutes. Yeah, Zubac has been a bit all over the place. He, I think I'll still play a lot of him at that multiple, but we'll have to see. Um, at the forward position, Aaron Gordon is an interesting spot. He was very vocal about wanting a trade. He, he got one. He'll probably get good run tonight. Um, he um, always has been an upside guy. Is he someone you'll sprinkle in? He's currently not in our in our optimals, but it's a it's a difficult situation to project. Yeah, we're I mean we're projecting him for a pretty high uh, minutes and usage, uh, thirty minutes, twenty five percent usage, which you know you would think at one point five five x would translate to 
a more favorable projection, but it's just not getting there for him. I don't know if, um, you know, he must just have like, have had poor per minute efficiency this year, uh, such that, you know, there's kind of a low projection on him. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there are reasons to believe that in Denver, uh, his efficiency might play up. Uh, you know, teams are kind of less focused on him from a defensive standpoint. Um, I don't know, going to be one of those things, I think, where I just trust uh, our math and the model that suggests even though he's got paths to a lot of run and, you know, potentially high usage, uh, his just efficiency maybe isn't high enough to warrant uh, too much consideration. I'm sure I'll have a sprinkle of him uh, simply because I, I try to run pretty diverse, uh, you know, lineups with a fairly sizable player pool, but um, I can't imagine I'll, I'll be having that that much of him. Tobias Harris will be an interesting pivot play. He's in 50% of our optimals currently. Um, 1.2 does not feel like an especially generous multiple. Um, I do think I will be playing a lot of him tonight. Uh, what do you, what do you see in Tobias? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I think 1.2 on a larger slate would be, you know, feel kind of tight, but again, on a small slate, like there's, you know, possibilities that a lot of these higher multiple guys uh, fail and, you know, on a, on a big slate, like it always feels like there's going to be a handful of high multiple guys that, that get there and, you know, make a case for, kind of the top three at their position. Uh, but on a small slate, like 1.2, uh, I think very, very easily could be uh, a multiplier that gets uh, Harris into the top three uh, forwards. We've got a uh, quite favorable projection on him. Uh, one of the top forwards we're projecting, I think really the top non-Charlotte forward that we're projecting. So uh, yeah, I envision having a good bit of Harris. So we're going to have a heavy dosage of Gordon Hayward, Kawhi, Harris, TJ Washington. So those forwards are going to be super popular. Those guys are only forward eligible. Um, so the cash games will basically be weighting to those guys. The tournament conversation, you want some, some pop. Uh, Simmons has some pop. George, if he plays. Uh, Michael Porter clearly has some pop at 1.4. Might have the occasional lineup where you have Howard in there at forward and then you play a true center at center. Um, who else do you see has some pop? We mentioned Aaron Gordon has some tournament pop. John Collins. There's not there's not a lot of other guys that have real pop. I guess Marcus Morris is 1.75. So you can maybe look to swap onto him from some of your Kawhi lineups if, if uh, news breaks that way. Um, yeah, I mean, Aura maybe has some pop at 1.55, but not really. I mean, Probably won't play a ton there. In, anyone else you see in the forward position that has some some tournament pop? Yeah, well, it's it's going to be conditional on injuries. But if uh, Ross Ross or uh, Leonard are out, I could see 
uh, Dwayne Bacon or Terrence Mann having, you know, good upside at the forward position. Like these are guys with really high multipliers. Uh, Bacon's at 175, and we've seen him become kind of one of the focal points of that Orlando offense uh, with Ross out. Uh, and Terrence Mann, I mean, when uh, either Kawhi or George has, has missed, uh, he's, he's been pretty productive for that. Uh, Los Angeles offense has been getting, uh, you know, good healthy minutes kind of in the high 20s, low 30s uh, when either of these guys are out. Uh, he played looks like over 30, almost 34 minutes last night against Milwaukee with uh, no George, no Ibaka. Um, so he would be a guy I think I'd be quite interested in at 1.85 uh, if Paul George is out. Um, I could see a lot of people wanting to gravitate towards Kennard again for you know obvious reasons. He had a you know, pretty productive game uh, last night, uh, but I think man is kind of the uh, secondary swing man that I would prefer to Kennard, uh, you know, long-term if you were to kind of run that, uh, run that simulation over and over again, I think more times than not man would be the guy to, uh, to beat out Kennard, just uh, kind of more of a high usage player. Um, I think with Kennard, you're kind of relying on high, uh, very high shooting efficiency, which, uh, you know, can be fleeting uh, night to night. So, um, you know, I think, I think, I think man would probably be a, a perfectly good option if uh, George is out. Yeah, I agree with that. He was a tournament winner last night and um, it does make sense to pay a careful attention to pass rotations and correlations for LAC because I do think there's something there. Um, like for instance, I wouldn't play Kennard and Zubach in the same lineup. There, there's been there's some interesting uh, rotational aspects and correlations there that that uh, would suggest a close look. Um, but totally fine to play um, Kawhi. Uh, in the same lineup with Terrence Mann, that would be recommended actually if, if George were out. Yeah, it's I like a, have, I was going to say, like a classic, you know, Lou, Lou Will, uh, Kawhi or George thing, right? Like they're guys on the same team, but are frequently playing on separate rotational groups, such that, um, you know, kind of like we were talking about the other night with Porzingis and Hardaway, where, um, you know, you figured like, they're, you know, the Venn diagram, I guess, if their playing time is bound to have some overlap, but for the most part, they're kind of separate uh, circles as where a guy like Zubac and Kennard or Zubac and Leonard or whatever, you know, both guys are part of the starting rotation. There's, they're going to have a ton, a ton of overlap. Uh, you want to try to avoid that, I think, if you can. So, um, yeah. Well, good pod today. We made it through. Uh, you made it through on COVID. I made it through... Uh... <laughs> A day after my, I, I had the second COVID dose, which is actually pretty brutal. I didn't realize that. I, I didn't expect to be down today, but it's not great. Maybe it was uh, coming after food poisoning this weekend. It was a tough combo, but, um, but strong pod. And we will be back on this Thursday. Thanks so much. Okay.